everybody. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 1 of Reporting is Eligible, um, the easiest number for me to remember and the only time I'll get it right for the rest of the year. Um, this is sort of our season preview episode. The football season kind of snuck up on well, me, um, mainly because there hasn't been enough baseball for football to happen yet. And without any preseason, there's like no warning of it. But the kid, it, like 12 days from now, there's going to be a Packers game if there's not some horrible COVID outbreak. And we just don't know as much as normal, but I still wanted to talk through everything that we do know and what we can talk about. So joining me today, I'll start off in, in, in Wauwatosa, in, in the heart of Packer country, kind of. Yes, this is J.R. Radcliffe, training sports reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. And uh, we were just talking, This it's rare that you've got people, uh, Acme Packing Company people who are from the state of Wisconsin. And now here we are on a Reporting is Eligible episode with two Scannies, yep. two actual residents of Wisconsin and a former resident of Wisconsin. This is this is the most Wisconsin we're ever going to get. It really is. It's unprecedented. Um, Matt is off today. He is very, very busy. But in his stead, we have... Archon14. This is Ryan, contributor to Acme Packing Company and Twitter Shithead. <laughs> That that's so he's Matub's the rabble rouser and you're something else. Yes, that's right. Yes, uh, <laughs> more analytics based shithead versus um, artistic based shithead. A good <laughs> dichotomy there. Um, I said stat head, stat head. <laughs> that's fine. Um, I, it's the first episode, so I don't mind having to actually hit the uh, the tag that says we swore. Um, no biggie there. Uh, so. One of the most annoying things about this training camp is that the Packers actually made a rule that all of the beat reporters could not actually report on how any of the players are doing, who's running with first and second team uh, for fear of losing their credentials with the team. And so people have been yelling at them for it, finding ways to work around it. But we don't know that much. What we know is speculation. Um, we're not going to have as much info on kind of the dark horse type people as we usually do or the guys who have been impressive um, other than, you know, speculation maybe some outright lies like Darius Shepard's apparently had a good camp that's not true um I mean it might be true but it doesn't matter because he's terrible so um I I guess we can start with uh let's start with Ryan and I so um I think MVS is a good place to start I'm very skeptical that he can be any good um I I I view him as a one-trick pony and have since college I, I was never impressed by his college tape um, he struck me always as a gadget speedster. You can bust open for big gains, which is when he's been successful, kind of what he's been. Um, he has purportedly been pretty good. Um, any optimism about him or any other receivers so far since they picked up none? <laughs> <laughs> so with MVS, I mean, it kind of comes down to, I'm not sure how much it really matters how well he does in training camp because how good he ends up being is gonna almost entirely just be kind of random luck like if he happens to pull in a couple of big catches just because he's big and fast you know if he if a defender slips if he beats a defender deep a couple times if Rodgers has a couple of you know really good deep passes that's going to determine if he's really valuable or not because he's not a complete receiver he probably never will be a complete receiver so if they're saying you know he's doing well in training camp I mean I guess, better good news than bad news. (laughs) But I'm also not sure how much it matters since we know what he is at this point. He is strictly a deep threat and not even a particularly good one at that. But if he, you know, pulls in a couple of big plays this year, that's, you know, that's fine for, you know, your wide receiver three, four guy. So I guess, you know, cautiously optimistic, but mostly just a shrug emoji. Yeah. um, I think that the... 
a lot of the talk on him is kind of a confidence booster more than anything. Um, I, Lazard was hot for the first part of training camp, and then I feel like the talk on him kind of died down a little bit. I think they're set with him. I, I, like from everything I hear, Lazard has been pretty fantastic. Um, whenever you you don't hear too much like oh he's having a good camp or anything like that. What you do see is a lot of him winning battles with Jared Alexander and Kevin King on the outside. Um, I think that's the biggest sneaky one that not that Lazard's position was ever really in doubt, but um, it's pretty clear he's running with the ones competing against the number one defense and doing very well there. So even if MVS is having a good camp, I mean, um, the other big thing here is there's not going to be as much space for a third wide receiver anyway. Um, <laughs> so um, they, they, we expect him to go a lot bigger and 11 personnel will probably still be their main base, but uh probably not as much as normal so um I, I don't who do you think will end up playing the, the, the most in that that three spots uh between like mvs and equinomia st brown and anybody else you can think of who might surprise reggie bagleton if you want <laughs> i mean it's, it's gotta be mvs because equinomia st brown now is banged up again which is really nah. really a drag because you feel you feel like he was gonna maybe be the guy that Maybe be the guy that that snuck in there and and took some took some opportunities away. I, I mean, like you, Reggie Bagleton's probably got to make the team at this point. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it, it's got to be MVS. Like when they talk about, well, maybe he was he was injured and and wasn't quite right last year. You kind of hope that because it doesn't yep. look like the tight end position is going to be a difference maker like you'd hoped it would be. We know it's going to be run, 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 especially early. I'm sure because. You know the, the passing game is still be working itself out, so uh, so so I don't know if it's like an immediate need either at the same time, but but it's very discouraging that uh, that the you know that they did not addressing this. You you sort of said to yourself, well they they know they know something we don't by not drafting a wide receiver by not addressing it in free agency. They they have ideas how this is going to work going forward, and there isn't a whole lot that's convincing that to say, well, they've, they've got this, this ACE in the hole or they've worked something out. It's pretty much just rely on MVS to be better than he was last year, or, or it's going to be the same thing we saw last year. And, uh, and right now it seems to be the case. The only thing different is they're probably going to run the ball more than they have in, in years past. Yeah. Um, I, I, I am, I am worried about that. I, St. Brown is like, um, he was definitely a more complete receiver coming out of college. I liked his tape a lot more and he was complete, but also raw. Uh, he has just a weird history of um, not being that experienced in football, but having super athletic parents. And he, I think, was a good development pick and maybe somebody that could have turned into something and maybe still will. Um, but uh, it, it, it's a shame we don't get to see him this year. Um, or not that, We probably will get to see him this year, um, but not right away yeah. necessarily. So uh, like, I, I have no faith in Jake Kumaro doing anything worthwhile. Um, and compounding all of this uh, is the fact that apparently Jay Sternberger has had a very bad camp. He is everybody's unofficial depth chart. He's quite far down. And I think that maybe was one of the ace and holes they were counting on. He is theoretically the most complete tight end on the team in terms of a blocker who can also catch passes. Everybody else is a glorified tackle like Mercedes Lewis or a theoretical receiver like Robert Tanyan who can't block anybody and can't really catch either. But, um, it's it's not great. It could be better. Um, <laughs> Ryan, what do you think they'll do on the on the outside um, at third receiver slash you know tight end to actually make the passing game work? Rely on a lot of play action to get guys <laughs> open. Um, 
with Sternberger, I think it's fair to cut him a little bit of slack. I know he was on the COVID list, so I don't know if he had COVID or was exposed, but he got definitely got a late start in camp. Mm-hmm. So I'm willing to, you know, cut him a little slack if the reports haven't been great for him so far. Um, apparently, you know, Bob has had a pretty good camp so far. So, I mean, there's like theoretical upside there because he is extremely athletic. So like tight ends develop slowly. So if that does click into even being an average tight end, that's probably extremely helpful for the Packers given um, kind of how low that bar has been for them really since, you know, Jermichael Finley. And so that's kind of what Green Bay is hoping on there is that Sternberger improves you know, from apparently where he's been again. But to be honest, we don't really know. We're just, nope. we're like drawing these small bits of information that we've gotten and extrapolating them and probably blowing them significantly out of proportion. But, you know, they're looking for something out of Sternberger or Tanya, you know, one of the two. And then at that third wide receiver, I think it's going to be kind of a rotation of things that are situationally dependent. Um, you know, MVS is going to be the deep threat, but, you know, when it comes to that more complete receiver, um, know i also was higher on equinemius st brown you know i kind of expected him to go in that third round changing ended up dropping um quite a bit further in that draft which was a little surprising um but you know if if you really want to have someone who's going to actually hit and be a more complete receiver and actually provide them something like a number two wide receiver with kind of upside that would be where equinemius would step in Again, that's asking a lot for someone who only has a handful of targets in their entire career. Yep, indeed it is. Um, it, it, the, the lack of depth, like so Devontae Adams clearly the best, Lazard, speculative good. Everything else is such a question mark, and you're just counting on... It, it reminds me a lot of actually the Brewers' um, acquisition strategy this offseason of just get a bunch of guys and hopefully get lucky with one of them. Well, now like the most promising one is Hurt, and... Um, now you're relying on MVS to turn into something he's not, a more you know complete guy. Jake Kumaro, who's an old man at this point, to develop, that's not going to happen. Or one of the never-has-beens to take a step forward. I, that's the big part of not having preseason games is guys like Reggie Bagleton, who I know nothing about. For all I know, he's the greatest receiver of all time. <laughs> um, so so um, you know, if there are a couple of positive surprises like that, it wouldn't be that surprising. But... Um, so far, still, um, you know, we I think we're pretty critical of how they handled wide receiver in the off season, and it, I, it seems like it still might be coming to bite them a little bit. So um, we do know they want to run heavier. We'll probably have a good amount of Tanya and Lewis for that reason. Lewis has purportedly been with the ones, which is not great. It would be nice if somebody was better than Mercedes Lewis. <laughs> um, some of the other newer acquisitions don't seem to be really um, shining that much either. Josiah DeGuerra has had a pretty quiet camp by most accounts. Um, in fairness to him, it's a position where it's really hard to show off that much. A lot of your plays are going to be um, play action, trick plays of some kind, at least flashy ones. Um, perhaps blocking he's doing very well, who knows. Um, but the, the, the other one, the, the other you know big draft pick is A.J. Dillon also does not seem to be really showing up that much. Every once in a while, you'll hear about him plowing a guy over. Whenever he catches a pass, you'll hear just fainting praise of the fact that he can actually catch. Um, But Aaron Jones is still going to dominate the backfield. And it kind of looks like it might be a bit of a lost rookie class to some extent, at least, you know, on the 
this is all stupid because you know training camp reports are already speculative and don't matter. But uh, th- there's not been a lot of of really standing out. So um, uh, have either of you heard any different or higher on any rookies than I am so far? I am always the the downer of the group. So <laughs> yeah, it seems like it seems like Kamal Martin is going to be the only guy who really breaks through. Some of that is because. You know, when you start with a quarterback, Jordan Love, you know, he's not going to be he's not going to be a guy to spotlight in these. You know, he's not going to start right away. So that's part of it, too. But then certainly no camp, no opportunities to flash. Jay Dillon's calves, of course, are, are superstars. <laughs> but there was that but other than that. There was there was <laughs> that, you know, let me let me invite you to make this an opportunity. The, the uh, one of my favorite segments that we do is when you explain something like like I'm a five year old, <laughs> what it is about like how how we define the position of what Josiah DeGuara does because that I think sort of informs the tight end room a little bit you know and and what what sorts of what what his job responsibilities would be if he's on the field and and how he's different from the average tight end so I'm inviting you Paul to do this that's fine and Ryan feel free to chime in too um so I actually wrote about this a little bit and when, when you go get a guy like that um the Packers have actually developed a little bit of a type here where it's a guy who played tight end in college and isn't quite physically right for the position for some reason. In this case, it's because he's too short. Um, they, they've gotten a few guys like that. Um, and if you look at their, their RAS scores, they tend to be about sixes out of 10 when they're tight ends and jump up to nines when you move them to fullback. Now, Josiah DeGuerra um, is not a fullback, but he is likely to be basically a tight end who comes out of the backfield and is capable of blocking um, on running plays up the middle, engaging guys on the outside, um, standing up pass rushers or at least chipping on them, and then leaking out and being a much more athletic receiver as a fullback than your average fullback is. Think of it as kind of a, a development of the fullback position into somebody who's just you know a, a lunk that runs straight forward and knocks a linebacker down to a much more versatile player who is still responsible for um, blocking, but also being a more dynamic receiver. So um, if you don't know, the 49ers guy who does this is Kyle Juszczyk, who is more of a fullback than DeGuara is. He's a very good blocker. Um, but one of the most efficient receivers on that team um, was the, even though he's a, he is physically a big lunk, he was the best receiver in the league by DVOA uh, for running backs, maybe second, maybe Mark Ingram was better. But um, you know, you don't really expect that out of a guy who looks like that. So what you're looking for is a very efficient receiver who can line up in heavy sets and power block um, when they decide to run against lighter defenses and then can become a tight end or an athletic running back receiver when they spread out and go wide and put stress on that defense that maybe has an extra linebacker that is now vulnerable. So that's what you're looking at from him as opposed to the, no- the kind of the normal inline tight end who's just responsible for um, you know, keeping the edge secure and also, you know, stretching the seam down the field. Um, that's that's the, the, I would say the main difference. Makes sense. <laughs> that's my five. Sure. Point. Okay. Um, yeah. So the one the one thing with the tight end spot that is um, with with Devara because like we we all made the jokes when he was drafted um, that the Packers drafted a fullback, but it's not quite true that he's. He'll like he will probably play some fullback, but when it comes to like when the Packers are playing twelve personnel, so you know one receiver and two tight ends, um, or one running back and two tight ends, um, there are two different types of tight ends that, that 
teams will use. And, and I know Justice Mosqueda on the APC pod, um, I think two weeks ago, kind of walked through this. Yep. I have like the Y tight end. When we think of like your standard tight end, that's your Y. Um, someone like Vernon Davis um, is an example of that, or Rob Gronkowski. And then you have um, different schemes. We'll use different terms, but the one that I was always familiar with was the U tight end. And so they're usually off the line and kind of that wing position. Typically, they're primarily responsible for like backside blocking on zones. Um, they're going to be guys who, when you run like a bootleg, they're the guy who has the little leak route in the flat. Um, so they play a more, a little bit more versatile role. Um, generally, less like, like Paul was talking about. Usually, less relied on to just like um, you know set an edge in a power scheme, which the Packers don't really run a lot of anyway, mm-hmm. or um, if zone is rarely going to be run, you know, to their side, just straight up, they're usually responsible for, for backside blocking there. Um, someone like, you know, Delaney Walker, when he was in San Francisco was the U tight end. That's a good comp. Yeah. Why? So it's just slightly different things and it's more of a blocking based position, I would say, but, um, with the offense they're going to run, they also want to count on him to be a part of the passing game as well. So, my criticism when they drafted him wasn't so much that they took a fullback too high. It was that not a lot of schemes use guys like him that much in the in the in, like as a just as a general rule. There's not a lot of Josiah Aguero's out there, and they tend to be pretty freely available. You probably could have gotten him quite a bit later. Um, th- that's really the the rip on him. I I don't really think he's necessarily a bad player. He was a dynamic college tight end. He was very good down the field. He was actually a much better deep threat than. I originally thought when I was looking at tape on him, I, I understand he's a little small for an NFL tight end, but if he works out how they want him to, he'll be a valuable player. Just wish they would have gotten him in the fifth instead of the third. That's all. Um, now, the, uh, the like I said, they've been collecting these guys. The other guy they got is John Lovett, who they got from Kansas City, who is very similar. And purportedly, they they got him on waivers just before the 49ers got him on waivers. So... Like, those are the two teams looking for these guys. And I suspect Lovett will probably... Uh, he's, by all accounts, had a pretty good camp. I think you'll see him um, make the team and be the backup in that role. Anyway. <laughs> so, uh, this concludes the fullback portion of the uh, the program. Yeah, the, the days of John Kuhn are long since gone. Um, that, that, uh, that type of fullback is over. But it's sort of like every position is turning into that now, where... Receivers have to be able to block more than they did before. Um, tight ends have to be able to do more things. Running backs have to be able to contribute in the passing game more than ever. Like everybody's kind of turning into that sort of mid-sized guy that can do everything a little bit, and that's seems to be sort of the evolution of football on offense and defense, where or everybody's kind of coagulating toward this middle where you have to be able to do run and pass equally well. Um, it's a uh, <laughs> give it ten years, everybody will be the same size and it'll look like soccer. Um, <laughs> um, by most accounts, defense the defense is having a pretty good camp. Everybody looks good. The Smiths look good. Um, the secondary especially looks good. And I think that's probably the most encouraging thing about the entire team. Um, they had a good secondary last year. They By DVOA, they ranked ninth in pass defense last year. They had a very fierce pass rush. Um, they really just struggled in run stopping and happened to run into a situation where that really cost them. But if they can... Uh, if they get a few guys to round into form, Darnell Savage takes a step forward, Jair takes a step forward, Kevin King doesn't hurt him too bad, I think they have the makings of like a top-five defense. Um, it, saying a lot because there's a lot of good ones out there, but um, I, I, 
don't really see them having huge weaknesses. I, I don't really think they lived up to the personnel last year, but uh, I, I like them a lot better this year, and I think they have some options to change up and stop the run a little bit. Um, so what are you looking forward to seeing on the defense um, this year, and do you think they'll be improved from last year? I think the biggest spot they can improve is, frankly, getting anything out of their first-round pick uh, from last year and Rashawn Gary. I mean, he was you – now, even – if you just take out the fact that he just didn't play very many snaps, he wasn't all that productive in the snaps he did play. His pressure rate was a little below average um, for edge guys. Now, if they kick him inside to play kind of a pass rusher from kind of that three tech spot, that defensive tackle spot, that probably is going to make the best use of his skills. So, you know, it was, it was funny when the Packers signed the Darius Smith last year, who in Baltimore had made his hay playing kind of a stand-up three-tech spot, which is pretty unique. He played that for Green Bay some last year as well. Yep. Um, but he also was highly productive off the edge. So if they play the Darius and press it off the edge and then have Kenny Clark and Rashawn Gary inside, that could be an incredibly fearsome um, pass rush group. I don't expect, you know, the linebacking core to really be much better in coverage. They didn't really address it. They don't really throw a lot into that position. Um, but the secondaries, you know, with Savage – getting another year, Jair getting another year, and maybe Tandon Sullivan actually being really good. Um, the secondary could definitely step up as well. So there is room for improvement kind of everywhere, but the linebacking core, which I just have resigned myself to being <laughs> a black hole of madness forever. Yeah, I, I'm not even totally hopeless on that, actually. Um, the one guy I was high on last year was Ty Summers, and I, I think he will always get driven. But he's not the guy who's going to come in and stop the run. But I think as a coverage linebacker, he's actually pretty good. He's just kind of a liability elsewhere. Um, so I think that might even improve slightly. And I do like Kamal Martin there. I think he's okay. I, I was never a big Blake guy. Um, and <laughs> he, he was just a guy who could go downhill and clean up messes. And I don't think he brought much to the table. Even He was a total gaudy tackle numbers guy um, that everybody else worked to get tackles for. So um, it's not the strength of the team for sure. But I wouldn't be surprised if there's a little improvement there. So. Um, JR, any any defensive performances you're looking forward to? I mean, well, you know I love my large people. So oh, the yes. fact that Indeed. you're hearing good things about Tyler Lancaster is very exciting to me. <laughs> um, but, you know, more than that, I think it's kind of – it's it's an interesting sort of crossroads for a couple guys, uh, mainly because of health. Like Oren Burks and Montrevious Adams are guys that I, I think are going to make the team still, but I guess it's not a not a for sure thing anymore. And, and those guys just cannot stay healthy. So it's uh, they're at a point where they got they've got to see something from those guys or or they're going to they're going to move on in some way shape or form either they're not on the team or they're on IR or they're just you know not not getting snaps. Yeah. So I'll be surprised uh, if um if Oren Brooks makes it this year. Yeah, I, I feel me like too. they they've gotten other people to play that position now. They don't care about it in the first place and um he he just doesn't seem to have the the me- mental aspect of the game down he, he's a, too much of an overthinker for an, a, an inside linebacker um, yeah which is so funny because you hear about how cerebral he is yeah he's apparently really smart but it just doesn't translate to football like you know the the old and it's not an adage but the idea that you got to have a little bit of dumb in you to be good at this like <laughs> I, I, I maybe it does apply in some cases i don't know but it doesn't seem to work for him uh i i I think Kingsley Kiki is interesting. I mean, we're talking about guys for the most part. I feel like this defense is pretty set. You know who yeah. the starters are going to be. So there isn't going to be a lot of mystery or anything. So the guy, you know, looking at guys kind of off the beaten path, Raven green, another guy who you'd like to see get healthy for a change. And then you can kind of see what he can bring. Cause, cause 
you know, you sort of feel like his injury was a, a low key turning point is probably too yep. strong, but that was a loss last year. That was a big deal for them. I think is Josh Jackson going to make the team. That's another oh, mystery boy. out there too, you know? Speaking of people who have not had good camps by most accounts, um, uh, the word on Josh Jackson so far is just a walking pass interference penalty, which is kind of the knock on him. <laughs> That's what it was when he was drafted out of Iowa. He's a walking pass interference penalty. And like if it hasn't changed in three years, what do you got? Yeah, uh, I'll be. Uh, I'm not high on him. It, they've talked about moving him to safety. Maybe that saves his career. But uh, he's, I think, one of those guys who's just a little too slow to play corner and relies on his handsiness too much to keep himself in plays. Well, it was always a weird fit to try and make Josh Jackson play a lot of man coverage. Yeah, it's he bizarre. Only, like, Iowa only plays a, a cover two or cover four shell. They don't play man ever. So ha- asking him to play man after basically being a squat corner his entire career. And Oxford, like, really, really good at it. You know, yep. he got amazing ball skills. But, and, you know, he's really good at reading quarterback's eyes. But bringing him in and then having him play, you know, a – a number of snaps and man coverage that he should not be playing nope. is problematic. You know, if I wouldn't be surprised if, if, you know, after Green Bay, he goes to a place that pretty much plays exclusively, you know, Tampa 2 style, which is not as common as it used to be. Yep. It has a perfectly adequate career as like a number two corner in that type of system. It's just where they picked him after. It's one of those things where the combine was useful on him. Um, it If he had. It was more athletic, a little faster. You could maybe see switching him into a different scheme. But once you saw his testing, you should have been like, well, he's good at this. He probably won't be good at at this. He's not going to be able to keep up with guys. And that's exactly what he's been. Just seems like a failure of scouting there. So um, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll be surprised if he's – I'll probably make the team. He's still cheap and they need depth. But, man, he has just been disappointing. Uh, alas. Um, anyway. What are you going to do? But I do like them overall. I like Shannon Sullivan a lot, too. Um, in, in small sample sizes, his metrics tend to be very good. They were good last year. Um, I, I look forward to watching him. I think he is a potential a potential star as far as they have like a dark horse who might turn into a star on that team. You kind of know about all the rest of the guys, but... Uh, he, he's I've been one. a Chandon Sullivan fan since he did the Nick Collins homage in the end zone. That was great. Yeah. Unclear nope. if that was completely premeditated, but I think it was, and that's uh, major points there. That's yes. that's good stuff. Completely agree. Um, <laughs> all right. So let's. I, I think positive on the Packer defense. Offense maybe a little question mark, but you know Aaron won't let it be too bad. Um, let's quickly before we move on to other things talk about Jordan Love so far. So, um, and we can tie this. Do we have to? We do because we got a question about it, so we do have to. Um, which is from Jonathan Deal, who um, our reports of Love's inaccuracy after ten practices something to be concerned about or overblown media attention. Um, uh, uh, Ryan, you want to take it first? I, I have my very clear opinion on this, but I'll, I'll defer. I mean, <laughs> is it surprising that a guy who was inaccurate in college is continuing to be inaccurate? It's like the Mike Leach. I don't know if everyone's seen this video, but he talks about how these strong-armed athletic quarterbacks, you know, you, in high school, they're inaccurate. And then they get to college, and the coach thinks he can coach him up, and he's still inaccurate. And then he goes to the pros, and the coach thinks he can coach him up, but he's still inaccurate. And then he has a little career, nice little career in the NFL being bad the whole time because he's inaccurate. You know, you could probably can fix accuracy to a certain extent. The problem is, is I don't think – that, that football that coaches right now have 
the training tools to to fix the accuracy problem. We're only starting to see that in baseball, which is a a sport that is significantly ahead of football in basically every way. And so the type of things that you would probably need from a training perspective to really make guys significantly more accurate, because people talk about footwork, it's not just footwork, there's just an innate that you need to have or develop with throwing. Yep. That we have a long history of, you know, dozens and dozens of quarterbacks where guys just don't suddenly become accurate. You don't go from just being Josh Allen to being Drew Brees. Like, that just doesn't happen. Yeah. The unfortunate part about the Packers is people will actually point to Aaron Rodgers for this argument, who was a bit of a mechanical mess coming out of college and did get whipped into shape by the Packers just in terms of core strength, um, throwing form. But I, I think the problem with him was actually more about zip power and release time than about pure accuracy he was not a great accurate thrower in college but there was more to work with there jordan love is i think the prototypical college quarterback who is exactly what you see and what you're going to get um he he throws the way he throws his footwork's not that bad there's not huge like if you could make guys accurate by fixing footwork and mechanics um there would be an in, in infinite, in infinite number of NFL quarterbacks. Um, there's not as much to fix with Love. Rodgers was like a, a rebuild project. He was a, a kind of he, he's a weird quarterback to this day. He was a weird one out of college. He's still a weird one. Most NFL quarterbacks don't have a junior college stint for a while. It, weird guy. Not a good comp for anything. Um, there's a lot of good comps for Jordan Love, and Rodgers isn't one of them. I think it's worth being worried about. Like you want that guy to come in and surprise people with his like work ethic and. His, his accuracy on the move, you want it to look different than college. You want the college experience to be like, oh, the, he was held back by the coach, or he was in an offense that didn't let him do some things that now he's getting to show off. This is none of that. This is exactly what you saw before. And given that we had these priors about him and the metrics say, like, uh, I have my metrics that run on guys. He, he's not a great QBOPS guy. He's not a great CPOE guy. Um, it, it's unlikely he's going to turn into a very good NFL quarterback. Um, it would be much better if we'd seen positive things in his first 10 and we haven't. So it's not good. It's bad. Uh. I hear what I hear what you guys are saying and I totally believe it. I totally <laughs> believe you're right. But th if, if we're answering the question about 10 practices, they, they haven't even had a chance to whip him into shape. Like they haven't even, I get that they probably can't fix him, but they haven't, they haven't been able to. And I, I, ha I have to think it goes without saying the COVID shutdown is more detrimental to a quarterback trying to learn a new system than any other position on the field. Oh, it and, definitely is. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it may not, it may not work. I mean, I think a lot of the numbers are saying it probably won't work the way that Packers fans are going to want it to work. Cause on top of all of this, there is going to be an expectation that Jordan love is not just a passable NFL quarterback. It's that he is something <laughs> approaching what the two guys before him were. So uh, on top of everything else, there's going to be an insane amount of, you know, unrealistic expectations, but uh, but I, I, I just like, it's just too early. I, I mean, it's just too early to know whether or not they're able to impact that in some way and make him a better player. And, uh, I, I, uh, I'm waving all interest in Jordan love for this year. <laughs> That's with, probably with a smart the COVID thing. Shut down, you just, I'm just, I'm just not listening to what people are saying about Jordan love next year. I'm going to pay attention for sure. But yeah, and not, not rookie, rookie quarterbacks are always bad. Like even great quarterbacks who go on to be oh, yeah. you know, elite hall of fame talents. They're basically always terrible as rookies. So the fact that, like, if Jordan Love were to get, like, thrown into a game this year, he would likely be just abysmal because, A, rookie quarterbacks are bad. 
and B, he essentially had no offseason minicamp whatsoever. Yeah, that's killer. So, like, you know, I'm, I understand where, where JR is coming from, where, like, I have the pride that Jordan Love is already not going to work out, but he also has had everything stacked against him in basically every way possible. All, all true. Um, I just would be a hypocrite since I, I'm the guy who rips Mitch Trubisky when he's picked. And um, yeah. <laughs> Mitch Trubisky is driving this whole conversation for you. He's going <laughs> to he live is. in your head for a long time. I hope he does because that means he'll be around for a long time. That would be fantastic. <laughs> um, you are the only person who Mitch Trubisky lives in their head rent-free. Only one person. <laughs> uh, I just love being right about the Bears. It's the thing I like most, I think. Um, it's so fun. So, uh, with that, I think we can actually talk about the rest of the division really quick. Um, there have been a good amount of changes for most teams. Um, the Bears' big one is they paid way too much money to get Nick Foles um, when they could have waited and gotten Cam Newton for free and a bunch of other guys that are better than Nick Foles for free. Um, there was some noise earlier that Nick Foles was going to opt out because of COVID. That's not true. That didn't happen. So, he's probably going to be their starter. Um, other than that, they had um, one of the only drafts that was worse than the Packers. They they have needs all over the team, um, and they spent their first round or uh, second round pick. They didn't have a first round pick because they never have a first round pick because they um, always piss them away on stupid deals. Um, <laughs> but they, they picked Cole Komet, who's a tight end. Um, tight ends are usually not good their rookie years, and they already had nine tight ends on the roster. And they had their biggest free agent signing of the offseason as giving Jimmy Graham too much money. And we all know how that's going to work out already. So um, the Bears still have a good defense, but they are a mess of a front office. They are they are a stupid team. Um, and does anybody think they're going to be anything other than bad? And I guess the big question is, do you think that they're actually better than anybody in the division? Oh, Ryan, what do you think? So I think the um, I was going through the lines uh, today or team over-unders and you know assuming the games get played and, and the season's not disrupted because I don't know how you'd really account for that appropriately yeah I think I think the best bet you can make is the under on Chicago which I saw as eight and a half which is insane to they're me. eight and a half yeah. that's ridiculous which is insane to me I mean, even seven and a half would be high because um their offense is almost destined to be bottom 10. There's really no way it can crawl out of that. They have a bad quarterback, no matter if it's Trubisky or Foles. They have a, you know, in insignificant offensive line. It's know. bad. It's a bad offensive line. And they have one elite wide receiver in Allen Robinson. And then just a lot of other miscellaneous parts on offense that are not helping you drive, you know, an efficient offense. Yep. Their defense is going to be very good. Yep. Um, but that probably doesn't matter unless it's historically good, which it probably won't be because those are just rare occasions. So looking at a team that's going to have, let's say, a top 10 defense, but a bottom 5 to 10 offense, those teams usually win six, seven games, yep. maybe. And so hitting the under on the Bears is seems pretty likely. Um, and so, yeah, I think they're pretty clearly the worst team in the division simply yep. because the quarterback situation is just so much worse than everyone else's. Yeah, I'd agree with that. JR, any disagreement? Nope, nope, none. Bears I suck. love your Bears analysis and all its uh, all its biting takes. I love it. I mean, the Packers are kind of lucky to be in the NFC North, aren't they? They it's are. Nice. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, I, I long for it every year. It's so nice. Right. 
Uh, and I mean, I think that the Packers took some criticism for behaving as if this team really did finish 13 and three. I know that sounds absurd to say, but that's us. <laughs> we're the yes. people. That... <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, but we're, I don't think we're the only ones that this team got very, very lucky in 2019 and they behaved like somebody that just had to patch up a couple holes on the periphery. But honestly, you look around the division and you're thinking maybe, maybe they, maybe that's what they're thinking. Like they're moving to a running you know, they're moving, they're, they're shifting their offense over time here, moving away from a Hall of Fame quarterback and the division <laughs> sucks. So they can kind of, kind of experiment, kind of just, kind of just behave like a team that's going to win at least nine games and hopefully push from there. You know, yeah. like they know they're going to the playoffs. So I don't know, you know, this, you, you this can, division. Yeah. You can tell that the bears are bad because by all accounts, the best player in camp this year has been Jimmy Graham. Uh, he yeah, is bad. universally praised by all the bear beat reporters and that's, that's not a good thing. That's a bad thing. Uh, you don't want that. B believe us. We know. Um, I think uh, so. Uh, um, I am a little bit between the Lions and the Vikings as to who is the next best team. Um, after yesterday, I do think it's the Vikings. Um, I, I think um, uh, I should have tried to pronounce this name before right now. <laughs> we can call He's the Giannis of yeah. the NFC North. Just say Yannick yeah. and we're fine. Yannick, yeah. Um, so that's a that's a good trade. Um, the Vikings' big problem, they're a smart organization. Their big problem is they have uh, a very tight salary cap, and this did not help that at all. Um, they are going to be very under the gun next year. They're restructuring Riley Reef to fit him in the defense, but it's a good defense. Um, I was willing, I was going to kill them. They lost Everson Griffin. They lost Xavier Rhodes, um, who wasn't that good last year. They don't really have any corners, which is not a good place to be, but they did spend two high draft picks on corners, um, not very athletic corners, possibly not very good ones, but they should have a fierce pass rush. They have good safeties. They have good linebackers. Um, and they lost stuff on digs on offense. They they drafted Justin Jefferson to get cheaper and try and mitigate that a little bit. Um, oh, I wish the Packers had Justin Jefferson. He is he is one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, he is one of, he was one of my top three on my board in terms of receivers, and I also wish they had him. Um, so I, I think I lean Vikings as the next best team in the division um, based on yesterday. Um, but I do think it's it's close with the Lions, but we'll get to their big problem in a second. But what, what do you think about the Vikings? Are they their perennial right there with the Packers pain in the butt team? JR, you want to go first I this mean, time? Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, they are. I mean, their secondary is pretty vulnerable, which is good for a team that has the Hall of Fame quarterback. Uh, you know, their safeties are still good, I guess. Um, I think, right? Harrison Smith is still good. He's still there. He's still good. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, so I, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I could definitely see these two teams splitting this year, uh, as, as seems to be the, the, seems like that's probably a safe projection every year the vikings and packers are usually pretty pretty much neck and neck so yeah i i see that i mean the lions uh, i'm i'm intrigued by the, you know what their, their draft pick jeff okta is is possibly interesting and is as a boost to their secondary but that's still that's still a weakness for the lions so um so I, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I, I have a very limited sense of what's because of the COVID shutdown and the just lack of information and not really knowing who's going to develop where I have a very limited sense of what's going on around the, the division, around the league, even around the, even around the Packers, life. Yeah. Life. Life. what's going on outside my house. I don't know. Um, I've heard that there are people out there walking. I don't know. Time doesn't uh, but, matter and nobody knows anything about football. So you're with right. everybody else, including yeah. <laughs> including us pretending to since it's all subterfuge <laughs> yes it's true i think uh, but but i think just 
I mean, dangerous to say historical precedent, but it's just it's just the, the place my head is always at. I think the Vikings are always the second best team in the division, if not a legitimate threat to win the division yep. pretty much every year. And that's certainly uh, certainly kind of where I stand at this moment. Yeah, I'm, I'm very torn on who I think the best team in the division is, whether it, it may be the Vikings. But what I think it may ultimately come down to is – those Packers Vikings matchups and the Packers are a terrible matchup for the Vikings for the simple fact that Kenny Clark is going to basically blow up their offense by himself yep. because the interior of that offensive line it's is bad. a undersized mm-hmm. and be horrendous. Uh, we saw that in both of the matchups last year, Kenny Clark basically single handedly dismantling um, their offensive game plan that will probably continue this year and so it's not that i think that the packers are necessarily better than the vikings because like yeah they're probably both around nine ish win teams it's just that the vikings weakness on offense falls right into what the packers are particularly strong at and so i think you know that gives the packers a, an edge there um but the vikings are basically the team that they've been the last few years you know, they have a very good defense mike zimmer is an elite um defensive coach um, the corners could be problematic again, but, um, you know, offensively, I think the thing that's getting underplayed a little bit is like just how important Stefan Diggs is because now they have no deep threats at all. Um, they have Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson, which means they have two slot, two receivers. slot receivers. Yep. And so they don't really have anyone to take the top off, which is actually pretty important because Kirk Cousins is actually good at throwing the ball down the field. And so if he doesn't have Stefan Diggs to, throw to that can be problematic because I just don't know where their explosive plays down the field are going to come from yep that's very true the Vikings front office definitely has some impact on their offense they are one of the highest users of play action in the league and that is Stefan Diggs bread and butter of getting sprung open for big gains Cousins is great at hitting those and that is a big loss for them they they, um, don't have a ready-made replacement that's not Justin Jefferson's game Uh, so I do think they'll take a hit on offense as well. I still think they'll be okay because of the defense. But um, I'm tempted to go Lions here. My only reservation is their head coach, I think, is kind of stupid. Um, although they played a very nice game against the Packers last year. But Sorry, I got distracted because Orlando Arcia is pitching. I just saw that pop um, up on Twitter. And just, just gave up a two-run Just bomb. gave up a monstrous <laughs> bomb uh, <laughs> because he's a shortstop. Um, yeah. <laughs> But uh, the, the thing with the Lions is they were actually playing pretty well until Matt Stafford got hurt last year. Um, not great, but they were a very Lions-y 3-4-1 before he got hurt. But they had had some very nice games against the Chiefs, against some tough opponents. And if Matt Patricia can actually bring that defense around to something competent, there's a good argument they have the best offense in the, in the division. Um, I actually think there's a very good argument that they have the best offense in the division and might not even be that close. So um, I could see them being a sneaky pick to win it. And um, I also like them as, as an over on their over under. Yep. Six and a half wins Detroit over. It seems like a layup. Yep. Completely agree. And RC just threw a 56 mile an hour curveball and pulled a Granky. So um, <laughs> it, can't say he's not entertaining, but I know the lines are always the lions. They have problems like I, hiring away a Patriot coach is always a bad idea. It looks even worse when the Patriot defense becomes historically great the year after they get rid of him, which happened. Um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but 
but they they do have some good pieces there and i i do think that they you know you can't just count on the lines being bad they're not always bad they do jump up and every contend every once in a while you know they have their kelvin johnson years and whatnot so um I, I think the Bears are by far the worst. I like the Lions um, and the Vikings and the Packers all kind of in the same bubble. I don't think too much will separate the the three of them when it's all said and done. Yeah, I think the Lions are going to be defensively pretty terrible. Um, <laughs> one, they rush three more than anyone in the NFL. They do. Um, he's, they he's have dumb. a horrendous, hor- just a truly horrendous pass rush. Like They get no pressure on the quarterback. Um, and that's not going to change this year at all. Um Jeffrey Akuda was a, you know, he was probably since Patrick Peterson, probably the highest rated cornerback prospect. Um, now, whether he'll become, you know, an elite corner in the NFL is to be determined, but, you know, his pedigree is outstanding. Um, you know, he, I, Badgers fans probably saw that when um, he left the game, Quintus Cephas went off. And then when he came back in the game, Quintus Cephas did nothing. Um, so, you know, he's a, dynamic shutdown corner in yep. college so that'll help but the rest of their defense is just just pretty well frankly terrible it's terrible um, and so but the offense should be should be high powered now the thing with matthew stafford is is he's rarely stacked efficient seasons on top of each other he's had a couple of really strong seasons he's rarely been able to um, put them together over the course of time now bevel's offense accentuates what stafford does well that comes with throwing the ball down the field and they have, you know, a really strong receiving core headline by Kenny Galladay. But it's remained to be seen, you know, just if Stafford can actually be, you know, good on a consistent basis over multiple years. There's that. Let me uh, let me do some God's work for you people. Okay. Uh, I am <laughs> looking up pronunciations. Uh, Ryan is correct on how to say Okuda's name, Jeff, Jeff Okuda. Okay. Uh, this according to pronunciation I found online. So who knows if it's accurate, but okay. no, it, is, it is definitely accurate. <laughs> Okuda, right. And then, then the, the issue we've got with our, our buddy Yannick is it's actually, it's Yannick. It's not Yannick. Yannick. Okay. And Gokwe, which in actually Gokwe. the last name is pretty, is not hard. That's really. not too in bad. Gokwe. Yeah. It's exactly how it looks. Gokwe. Okay. It really is. Yannick and Gokwe. So uh, there we go. Or, or it's no yep. Indomitian Sioux, but it's uh, that hopefully, hopefully Packers fans don't have to learn too much how to say these names. But we'll probably I imagine probably hear them a lot. So we will hear them a lot, so. especially if Billy Turner's playing right tackle. <laughs> oh no! Oh, oh no! At least bad. Billy Turner and Lane Taylor are easy to pronounce. Very true. <laughs> and at least Lane Taylor's even kind of good. Um, mm-hmm. Unlike some. How other- cool is it that they kept him around? I mean, it looked like that. It looked like his career in Green Bay was. So was definitely coming to an end at some point a year ago. And, uh, Lane Taylor thought it was coming to an end. Sure did. Yeah, big pay cut, and now uh, now that seems to be big dividends for the Green Bay Packers. Yes, indeed. I, I, I like Lane Taylor. I'm glad they kept him. I feel like they usually cut bait on those guys too early, so I'm, I'm happy about that. Plus, the, the guys they got to play in front of him are bad, so even better. little depressing to see Brian Bulaga show up on hard knocks. Got it. Yeah, say. unfortunate. Oh, we should uh, also well, quick. We should quickly mention uh, Quintus Sivas also on the Lions. So um, tore up Okuda in the Big Ten Championship game, and now they're teammates. They're teammates. Um, so th- also fun. I, I actually kind of like Sivas, um, uh, not on a personal level, but on a 
as as a possible like dark horse. The situation is complicated. It is complicated. I'm not entirely sure about that, but um, he, he, the really only knock on him was his 40 time at the combine. Um, other than that, he scouts really well. His agility is okay. Um, and, and you know we've all seen him play a lot. I, I think he might end up being better than people think, um, and would have gone higher in most draft classes um, than this one, which was just so loaded that got you know really competent guys just fell down because of the the sheer abundance that there was. So um, the new I, Alan Lazard. I mean, yep, doesn't profile the same, but like. <laughs> No, Al Lazard is actually much more athletic than Quintez. Yeah. Yes. One of them's a 90th percentile athlete. Yep. The other one's a 10th percentile athlete. In terms of guy, you'll wonder in a few years, how is that guy not taken higher in the yeah. draft? That's that's Or taken at all in the draft in some cases. Indeed. All right, let's close this out with questions since uh, we actually got quite a few of them. Um, pe- people are starving for football content since they realized that the season starts in two weeks, just like I did. Um so let's start with um, our traditional starter, Jay Google, who we always start with on both the Tailgate podcast and <laughs> the this Helen one. Thomas, the Helen Thomas of reporting he, is eligible. He really Jay is. Um, congratulations, Jay Google, on having the, the first chair. Um, uh, has the run defense really improved that much from last season? Um, uh, I'll go first in saying uh, probably not. Um, I do think maybe a little bit. They do have a, a few more thumpers i do think gary might be able to help there and schematically i think they'll have to figure out a way to deal with it if they do run into the 49ers again or a 49er like for instance the ravens um but i I do think it's important to point out that this defense is crafted partially to try to lure teams into running more than they otherwise would it is sophisticated in that way that it realizes that running is just less efficient than passing by its nature and so they do dare you to run a little bit um, as we've seen, that can blow up in your face. It, it blew up in Dom Caper's face, a very similar philosophy, not similar defense. But uh, the run defense will be slightly better. Hopefully it will be able to be situationally better when it needs to be. But it's not going to be a top 10 run defense. That's just not how they operate. Um, now, any, any disagreement from either of you? <laughs> No, this is Kenny Clark's star turn year, though. This is like yeah. uh, what George Kittle went through last year. Went from a player that people have heard of to being like the guy you think of when you think of the Green Bay Packers. That's uh, that's my prediction for what happens with, with the big man up front, KC. Yeah, there can be some marginal improvements, partially just if Kenny Clark isn't dealing with an ankle injury for like 10 weeks. That yeah, true. Uh, Dean Lowry basically can't play worse than he did in 2019, so that might help a little bit if Rashawn Gary – is that Rashawn Gary is actually apparently um, kind of slimmed a little bit to be a little bit more of an edge guy. So I, I don't expect him to play inside a lot on more traditional run downs. Um, you know, is Kirksey an upgrade in the run versus Blake Martinez? They're both basically just read and chase linebackers. I think the biggest thing to determine if they're better or not is just how much time you're playing. Um, if they stay you know, with Raven Green, who's 195 pounds playing as a linebacker, they're going to be really bad against the run, yep. basically on purpose. Um, but if Kamal Martin can actually be good enough in pass coverage that Green Bay will stay in nickel um, a lot more, then that could that could help the run defense a lot. I think it'll be mostly just come down to personnel selection, um, more so than, like, is their personnel good enough? It's going to more so depend on just what package they have on the field. Yep, indeed completely agree all right um let's do um igniter kid um 
Uh, do we think that they do end up going with four four running backs, one fullback, five wide receivers, four tight ends? And he specified one of the tight ends is Deguera, and the fullback is uh, actually Lovett. And I think that's right. Um, I do think it'll be Irvin, Dylan, Jones, um, and someone else. I don't think Williams will necessarily make the team. And I do think they'll go five wide receivers. I, I don't think they'll they, – they're not going to play 11 enough to warrant having that sixth or even seventh, but certainly not sixth um, that they normally would. So I think that's right. Um, I don't like anybody think there's any surprises there with keeping extra receivers or extra, like maybe more tight ends than that. I don't see it. Not. I just like at this point, apparently they've been playing Irvin a lot as like a gadget receiver. Yeah. So, like, depending on if you want to call him a running back or a wide receiver, I'm kind of in the same boat where like, They'll keep like three traditional running backs. They will keep a fullback of some kind, whether you whether that's Lovett or if they classify Deguara as that. But they've been pretty clear that he's like a tight end. Um, you know, yep. they're going to keep four tight ends if you count Deguara as a tight end. That's pretty much locked in. And so, yeah, I can't see them keeping more than five wide receivers. I know we started to work some roster predictions stuff on the back end. Exactly packing it. Oh, yeah. Kind of what a lot of people have had is it's been I gotta do that you know, five well, yeah good luck the practice squad stuff is fun because nobody's getting cut this year um it's just hard to find spots for more than five wide receivers and frankly if they're going to be playing a lot of 12 and 21 and 22 they probably don't need that many especially considering you can stash multiple wide receivers on the practice squad this year so that's kind of where I'm at I think he's, he's on the right track yeah I don't know. Any, JR, any surprises you think? Nope. I can't wait for all the references to Princeton when Lovett is on the field. It's going to be great. Yeah. Ivy League references for days. Annou- announcers do love Ivy League references. It is It is bizarre. It is a bizarre fascination. It's this yeah. thing that you think is an anachronism now, but, I mean, anytime a guy's out there with Ivy League, Ivy League in his background – we, I mean, we even heard about like guys who just get into those schools and don't play there. Like, oh, he was accepted to Harvard, you know? That's <laughs> crazy. Yep. All right, uh, let's not let's do like two more and then we'll get out of here. And I want to do uh, Jerry Eldridge because it, it's easy. Um, well, which of the three units will rank higher in DVOA by season's end? So when we look at the Football Outsiders chart at the end of the year, uh, going to be offense, defense, or special teams ranking highest of anybody. Um, Ryan, why don't you go first? This is a okay. So. Um, it's probably not going to be special teams just from the <laughs> fact that um, Green Bay pretty – like I just don't trust Green Bay's punting coaching. Like Mason Crosby will probably be fine. He's a fine kicker. He was amazing um, last year, but he's a fine kicker. Uh, the return units uh, – well, Tyler, with Tyler Irvin, the power return unit will be fine. I still don't think their kick returning units going to be anything special. Um, the fact that the, the special teams – coaches just haven't told jk scott to kick the ball as far as he possibly can every single time yep. is wild to me ridiculous to have him be like this finesse punter which is just not why you have to do with a leg like that yep this is jim bob cooter and matt stafford all over again like just don't do that and so uh, defensively i think the run defense is just going to be bad enough where it's going to keep them from being like a great overall defense even if they are quite good in the passing game um, which is ultimately going to be what matters. I think the offense will end up ranking higher simply because the running game will probably just be good. Um, you know, the offensive line, even without Balaga, is still, you know, good, especially if you're having, you know, Lane Taylor in there. 
Um, running the ball should be fine. Aaron Jones is good. A.J. Dillon will probably be perfectly fine running the football. Um, and the passing offense, like Aaron Rodgers gives you a certain floor, even if he's not great anymore. And like last year, we kind of saw what that floor looked like. Um, and it was still, you know, a, you know, yeah. about the ninth best passing offense in the NFL. So I think kind of all those factors, the fact that a passing game will be, you know, probably above average at worst. And, you know, maybe if Rodgers starts, you know, going to the middle of the field and stop throwing the ball away all the time, it might, it has a little bit more upside there. And so I think the offense, because it's just, there's no way I can see the offense just being terrible unless they just run the ball constantly, which I actually don't think they're going to do. No. Jared, what do you think? Offense, defense, special teams. I think by now, if people are here for my numbers analysis, they've, they haven't been listening to the <laughs> podcast closely enough. I have nothing <laughs> witty to add. DVOA is a little bit like OPS plus or various things that like, I understand, but I need to really like squint my eyes and think about it. So like, I can't, I can't give you an answer here. I defer to your expertise. Uh, I, I, yes, I hope the offense is good. Like you think, yeah. I mean, like even, even passably good. I hope it's passably good. Uh, I have faith, but I, I don't know. Um, I, I'm a little torn on it. I think it'll be pretty close. Um, and I, I just don't think that the secondary, um, is going to quite get where it needs to, to, to outdo the offense, um, with the run defense dragging it down either, but I do think it'll be pretty tight. And I do think that the passing offense will take a little bit of a step forward, even if it's not a world-beating offense. Um, I do think last year was kind of the floor. And with um, a little more play action, uh, a little more emphasis on getting big chunk plays off of sort of easier throws, um, that they will improve on the passing game enough to make it work. So I do think it'll be the offense. I I, I will never pick a Packers special teams uh, (laughs) unit to finish ahead of anybody. Um, but I do think they'll have good units on both sides. So um, I'll, I'll go offense by just a hair. Um, so um, okay, um, let's let's do uh, we let's do let's finish up. We got to get out of here. So the, we had a couple more good questions. I will save them for next week. Let's do the last one because I have to ask it from from Mark Pod Podscarby. Who would you rather have, uh, Mitchell Trubisky or Jordan Love? Um, oh, uh, this is this is easy. It is easy. Um, the uh, yeah, go ahead and go first. The answer is Jordan Love because you don't know that Jordan Love is bad. Yes. You know that Mitchell Trubisky is bad. That is the correct answer. There is no other answer. Um, Uncertainty is your friend here. Jordan Love, we don't like that much, but he might be good. Um, Mitchell Trubisky, we have a huge sample size on at this point, and he is terrible. So. Obviously. There is, however, you have to you have to dig into all the caveats. Are we talking about for the twenty? 20 green bay packers because if aaron Rodgers goes out with an injury in week let's say 11 and they just need like one more win to push them over the hump would you rather have mitch trubisky or jordan love starting that game i get that tim boyle could be in this equation too point, but <laughs> but like i i don't know i feel like maybe trubisky gets the edge in that sense not that you know you're kind of picking between two you know a rock and a hard place but uh but yeah like if we're talking for one year as the backup i guess uh i guess it isn't a slam dunk for me for the year 2020 yeah. but like going forward i mean that's a, that's a no-brainer fair enough i mean there is a there are quarterbacks worse than mitch trubisky you could have the seneca wallace experience part two. Oh god so th- that's that's possible um <laughs> if, Humley. Yeah. the scotty spin move uh so I, I wanted scott tolzian to work really badly i was sad when it didn't um, just couldn't stop throwing interceptions no he could not he, I liked how aggressive he was, but man, he just wasn't good enough to be that aggressive. <laughs> that is the weirdest year of Packers football. It, I am fascinated with that season. Uh, it was such a painful roller coaster ride of, of just 
terrible awfulness and then having and then they made the playoffs and they made the playoffs because the division just lets you do that that's how they roll Um, oh i the 2013 man that game that year i can't stop thinking about it it just it just blows my mind it is the the craziest series of circumstances my Uh, roommate in college that year was a bears fan and we were i was watching the game across the hall from our our dorm room and uh, when randall cobb pants just pants to chris conti and chris conti just forgot what he was doing (laughs) um i could hear just the soul leaving my roommate's body from across the hall i love that game it's so good we did a great deep dive of it on RAE, did we not? We did. We did. Uh, we, we we watched it, and uh, yeah, you Good can times. you can find that on the site, um, and I think as a podcast here as well. My uh, favorite fact was the opening kickoff: the Packers committed a penalty and then did not commit a penalty the rest of the game. <laughs> That's insane. I know it's very hard to do. Yeah, well done. officials wanted to get out of there, man. It's freezing yeah. cold in the night. No, they wanted nope. to get out of there. No flags. I do not blame them for a second. Uh, all right, so I think we're pretty optimistic on the team this year. I think by and large, um, so one of the good things about being thirteen and three is even if you do have some regression to the mean, um, it's usually not going to be like six games of it. You know, they'll probably. I think we we all agree last year they were more of a nine and seven, ten and six team, but I don't really think they've taken a step back from that, and that's a perfectly fine place to be in a division full of stupid teams and loser teams and whatever the Vikings are. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the, the second place runner up. So, um, could be worse and they should be, they should be fine. They should be pretty good. So that's good. Um, anyway, thank you guys for joining me for this. Um, appreciate having you on. Well, we will be back last week with it next week with at least Matt and we'll see who else shows up. Um, we'll be back last week. We'll be back last week. We'll be back next week before the season actually starts. Matt will be on. Go back in time. Yeah. Oh God. If only, um, (laughs) Uh, <laughs> um, yes, hopefully we have no problems with the season starting and, you know, it's really soon just around the corner. So since the Brewers have Orlando Arcia pitching games now, it'd be nice to have a competent um, team playing um, since the Bucks decided to play all their bad players. I'm not talking about this. Um, <laughs> oh, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. Will We're they? not panicking yet. I feel like the Heat, yes. the heat are kind of good against them. Yeah, I don't. They, they absolutely are. They're a very bad matchup for the Bucks, but the Bucks are going to win at least two, three games, two games in this series. So oh. they're gonna, they're gonna that is not enough game. That is decidedly not enough All I'm enough saying game. is, all I'm saying is, this game, this series is far from decided. Is what I'm saying. Oh yeah, I think the Bucks will win the series. It's not over it's, yet, but uh, well, no. It, it, I also it, think the Bucks will win the series, but I'm significantly less confident in the coach than you are. Yeah, not so big on Bud. Oh well, football soon. All right, thanks everybody. Stamp out fear